I'm Bernie Crane. I'm John Crane. You're listening to the Jazz Session with Jason Crane, our dad. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 422 for Tuesday, September 10th, 2013. Today's guests are Vijay Iyer, Mary Halverson, Stefan Crump, and Nikki Schreira. Plus, stay tuned at the end of the show for a special preview of the upcoming season at the Atlas in Washington, D.C., with its curator, Brad Lindy. The new season of the Jazz Session starts October 1st in just a few weeks. However, today is my 40th birthday, and so I decided I would do an episode on my 40th birthday because it turns out that four different artists who I quite like all have albums coming out today. Also, it turns out Ralph Alessi does too, although I didn't find that out till just a few days ago, and so he's not on this show, but Ralph will be on very soon into the new season of The Jazz Session with his own extended interview. My goal for the jazz session going forward for a while is not to have any repeats, not to have anybody on the show who's been on the show before. Today, of course, is different. It's a special thing. It's this confluence of my birthday and these people all having albums out, and all four of them have been on the show before. So if you go into the archives, you'll find extended interviews with all four of the people who I'm talking to today. But it just seemed like a great way to celebrate, and these are four people I really like, and I really like all four of these records, and, you know, there you have it. So that's what we're doing today. Also, I was recently at the Detroit Jazz Festival, where I recorded several interviews for the upcoming season of the show, including with Lee Konitz. And I haven't listened back to the audio of that interview yet, uh, and Lee would not hold on to a microphone. I guess that's one of his things. So uh, the microphone was just on a table in front of him. And so hopefully you'll hear that interview. And my goal is to have it be the first show of the new season. (laughs) We'll see what happens. There might be a little scrambling when I hit the ground in New York in a few days to replace it with something equally interesting. Lots of great stuff coming up, though, on the new season. I've got several interviews in the can and a bunch more scheduled, and I'm just I'm super excited about it. I'll be back in New York starting September 12th, which is just a couple days from now, and I, I just couldn't be happier. Now, I'm entering my 40s in the same kind of ambiguous, nebulous state that I spent most of my 30s in. I don't technically have what you might call a job. I don't technically have what you might call a place to live. But that's okay. I'm I'm taking everything a lot easier these days, I think. I'm trying to do that. And although my life is nebulous in the same way that it's always been, and although I'm just really flying by the seat of my pants in the same way that I always have, and I, I have a little bit of money in the bank from the Kickstarter campaign, and I'm going to try and turn that into a place to live in New York City, and we'll see what happens. But it's all going to be fine. There'll be a jazz session going forward, and really... As far as I'm concerned, that's a victory. We Everybody's winning, right? Because there's a jazz session going forward. I get to make the show again. I get to do it in New York. Even if I'm living in Central Park, that's fine. It's a very lovely spot. So, when, oh, one other thing I want to mention, by the way. If you're listening to this and you're one of those musician types, or if you're any kind of artist at all, and you think you might like to have a bio or a press release or a Wikipedia page, 
I've started a new site called CraneWrites.com, Crane, W-R-I-T-E-S.com, and I'm offering all of those things. So just go to CraneWrites.com, check that out, and if any of those services look to you like something you might like to have, I would love to do those things for you. Okay? Okay. Several years ago, Vijay Iyer and Mike Ladd released an album called In What Language that is still one of my favorite albums of ever, and they've got a brand new record out now. We'll talk about it with Vijay coming up in a few seconds, but let's hear something from it. Here we go. same that strains for a creek, a breeze, a bump in the night that might be my father, prepared to tell me why he never spoke of what happened over there. Pianist and composer Vijay Iyer and uh, lyricist, poet Mike Ladd started collaborating about a decade ago on an album that is still one of my favorites called In What Language. It was followed up by the wonderful Still Life with Commentator, and now by I think a very important record called Holding It Down, the Veterans Dreams Project, which comes out today. Uh, and there's a, it was a live show before it was an album. And in the trailer for the live show, there's a quote from Staff Sergeant Lynn Hill, who contributes poetry, who says, you guys cheer because you don't know any better. And to me, and Vijay, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems to really get to the core of the feeling of this recording this idea that there's more to document than this idea of of cheering and bravado right i mean uh you know it's not that we set out to make an anti-war album exactly uh really what we wanted to do is engage with people from this community the veterans community i mean that's uh, more than one percent of the american population now and uh you know just listen to them because whether or not any one of us is anti-war, we still paid for these people to go fight on our behalf, you know, with our tax dollars. And so we're all implicated in this larger fact, you know, of um, these these two wars and their aftermath. So we really wanted to just uh, face that. You know, and and uh, be part of a conversation about how we can heal from it and uh, figure out how to move forward. And um, you know, and that meant really collaborating uh, in a very intimate way with veterans, um, getting them involved in the creation of this project, and uh, and listening to what they had to say and interviewing them about 
whatever they felt like talking about, but primarily this project ended up being about their dreams. And we made basically a series of songs and poems and pieces of music based on the dreams of veterans of color, specifically from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And yeah, you do hear that, uh, you, you hear very, you know, quite a lot about the dark side of, of, of combat and, uh, and, you know, what Lynn was doing, what she's talking about in that specific case that you mentioned is uh, she was a drone pilot for two years, you know, and of course drones are in the news every day. We know, you know, it's a very intense, uh, intensely debated aspect of 21st century warfare that uh, we all need to um, own up to, basically. Uh, and she was saying that, you know, what she, she found herself piloting drones for two years, uh, from Las Vegas. And what kind of led her to the breaking point where she decided that she couldn't do it anymore was that suddenly the people around her were cheering about, a, you know, a kill that was made from the, from the office where they were controlling these drones, and it really is an office. You know, it's a, basically people have their consoles, but they're in an office-like environment, and, uh, and you know, and to see that basically that it had been dehumanized to the point where people were, people in the office were cheering each other on for for carrying out a, a kill that meant that somehow. Something had gone wrong, <laughs> you know, and that's what she's talking about in that moment. What that was her breaking point, where she reached a certain kind of critical consciousness about what she was doing, and uh, led her to leave the drone uh, program, the predator program that she's in. Vijay, can you talk about how you and Mike decided to do this? In the first place, was did you have this idea before meeting any veterans, or was it a contact with a veteran that led to this idea? What was the genesis of the idea? Well, we'd been doing these other pro projects, uh, the ones you mentioned, uh, in what language, and still left with commentator, and both of those dealt with American life after nine eleven, and you know, somehow we're dealing with life during wartime without really dealing with the lived experience of war. And so we felt like if there were going to be a third chapter to this um, series, it had to really deal with that, uh, you know, hands-on. And uh, so we really decided that we would reach out to some veterans, and we were very fortunate to find this guy, Maurice DeCall, who was profiled in the New York Times, actually, as part of this photo essay series they were doing. And, you know, he was a veteran of color who was, uh, in, he was going to college under the GI Bill and was studying creative writing, was involved in these programs, for uh, warrior writers programs, it's called, um, basically writing programs for... Uh, for veterans. And, uh, you know, he just, uh, we just, I just sort of tracked him down online and 
we reached out to him and then he stepped right in and became, uh, you know, fully involved in the project as a co-creator. He ended up writing about 40% of the material. And then he connected us with other people in the vets community, including Lynn. And then she became a pretty pivotal part of the project, too. So it all sort of proceeded organically, and it took its time, too. It took about three years from concept to execution, I think. And, uh, and the album got made sort of along the way. Um, you know, the, the material kind of got cobbled together little by little and uh, and we recorded and then we did the show and then we mixed the album and it's all sort of been this very organic quite uh, extended process of collaboration Finally Vijay, can you say just a few words about how you and Mike collaborate? I'm, I'm just interested in how you actually work together to craft these albums It's pretty organic um you know, we might start with a few sketches on either side. Uh, and in this case, especially, I mean, Mike did a lot of interviews with veterans. Uh, so, you know, what's in the project, what's in this project is some poems by Maurice, who was an ex-Marine, some poems by Lynn, who's, uh, you know, from the Air Force, and then an assortment of poems by Mike, both sort of speaking as himself as a civilian and sort of translating interviews he did with veterans into a sort of poetic format. Um, and some of that really was uh, almost just like a verbatim transcript of what some of these guys said. Uh, and, that, and in other cases, it's sort of been transformed a little bit more in a writerly way. But then with those sketches, you know, I'd sort of start creating uh, musical sketches based on the energy of each poem or each character. And uh, we just try to find a way to marry the two. And sometimes it meant turning them into songs. Other times it meant oh, I'm just sort of coexisting with a piece of music or finding uh, moments where it would drop into the spaces in the music. Um, Every piece is sort of its own story, you know, and we just sort of let let it happen. We, um, it has a lot to do with just the time we find to work together, and if we're all in a room together, what we can kind of make happen. And sometimes we find ourselves with these kind of uh, very uneasy juxtapositions, you know, like there might be a piece of music that's very sweet, but then the lyrical contact, content is... Um, pretty harrowing, you know, and then that particular surreal uh, juxtaposition ends up kind of creating its own um, dynamic or its own kind of uh, sense, its own meaning, you know, its own intensity, I guess I would say. And so that, you know, there are some pieces like that where it was about that... That sense of contrast between what the music seems to mean and what the poem seems to mean. And, you know, the, the larger story we're telling is about how people, you know, in our midst are able to carry these stories around inside of them. Um, 
can carry these memories around with them, and they might be standing next to you at Starbucks or at the DMV or something, and uh, you don't know what's inside of this person or what, you know. So it's kind of, you know, so that you do have those kinds of surreal juxtapositions in everyday life, in the everyday life of veterans. And that's sort of what they have to live with every day. So I guess we would just wanted to let that sound, let that um, reality kind of sound have its own resonance. You know? My guest is Vijay Iyer. His new album with Mike Ladd is called Holding It Down, The Veteran's Dream Project. Uh, and it comes out today. And Vijay, it's been great to talk to you about this. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you and happy birthday to you. capacity for war I have a capacity for hate I have a capacity for insanity for anger for lies 525,600 minutes times two before I break into an explosion of thoughts and insurgents soft kills and career moves capacity for destruction capacity that's music from Vijay Iyer and Mike Ladd. Up next is Mary Halverson. She's got a new septet recording coming out, and here is what it sounds like. My guest is Mary Halverson. She has a new septet recording on Firehouse 12 that comes out today called Illusionary Sea. And it's great to talk to you again. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Mary, were you hearing something that a trio or a quintet just couldn't get to? Is that where the, the idea for a septet came from? Or is it something different than that? I think so. I mean, I had I had been working with the quintet for a while. And I, I was hearing something a little bit denser and more involved than what I was able to do with the quintet. So I thought adding two more horns uh, would give me a, a wider range, a wider palette, um, more harmonic po- possibilities. I mean, a lot of the record is in four-part harmony, and, and it was really nice to just have more to work with, basically. 
You use the word palette. Is is the analogy as direct as if you were a painter just adding more colors, or does it add whole new layers of complexity beyond that? I think it does add more colors, but I do think it's it's more than that, too, because it's also different timbres, different combinations. You can break things down, you know, so maybe in, instead of you, you do have more colors, but you could also choose just a couple of them that were different than what you had before. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Can can you say a little more about that, a way that you might have employed that uh, on the record or some, some ways that you experimented with that, how you would choose? Definitely. I mean, Ingrid Laubrock and Jacob Garchik were the two uh, new members of the band on, on tenor saxophone and trombone. They have just such a different sound on their instruments than uh, – than John Arabagon and Jonathan Finlayson. So just ch- texturally alone, I think there's there's so much more happening um, with sound. And then, you know, playing around with which instrument might have the lead melody, um, also playing around with having a lot of backgrounds happening with different combinations of horns underneath a soloist. Um, moments, there's there are some moments of collective improvisation where, where everyone's just playing at once and it's kind of total chaos. So I, I think, yeah, texturally and palette-wise and just in, in terms of different combinations, different voices, it gave me a lot to work with. And so did you choose Ingrid and Jacob specifically knowing those characteristics already and wanting to add them into the mix? Absolutely. I mean, they're both musicians that I've worked with, especially Ingrid. I've worked with Ingrid a lot over the past uh, several years. Jacob, I've worked with less, although I've known him longer. I've known him for for maybe 10 years and um, have worked with him periodically over those years. So I, I thought of both of them immediately. When I decided to add those instruments, there wasn't really much of a decision to be made because I did hear their voices in the music. So it was a pretty clear choice for me. Uh, I got a chance to listen to your uh, recent, fairly recent, I guess now, uh, Newport set. Um, And one of the things that struck me live, and it strikes me on this Septet record too, is how free you are in terms of uh, experimenting with rhythm. I, I think that's really exciting in your music. And I, I wonder, thats this is a broad question. I don't know if it's easy to answer or not, but could you say a few words about uh, about rhythm as it as it factors into your music? It just, it feels very free and very creative to me when I listen to you, the rhythms in your composition. Oh, thanks. That's very nice. Um, rhythm is something I think about a lot. Uh, and especially in in contexts that are a little freer. Um, I, I do, I like to bring in rhythm in different ways and, and have that be a, a strong element, even if it's something, I mean, I have a couple uh, charts in the quintet where it'll say something like speed up at, at one point. So it's not always just uh, either in time or not in time, but it, it could be other things happening. There could be a pulse happening in some of the instruments and not others, or, or there could be moments where things are speeding up, slowing down, going in and out of pulse. Um, and some of the songs are, are are in time the whole time as well. So I, I guess I like to experiment with different combinations um, and, and different ideas about what time can mean in, in the context of the music. Uh, as we mentioned, the album comes out uh, today, September 10th. As as we go forward, will people have a chance to hear this septet in person in various places? 
Um, I hope so. <laughs> if, I, if I can get all seven people in the same place at the same time. Um, no, I, I do hope to do some more with the group, although I, I don't have anything concrete planned at the moment, but hopefully that'll change soon. Yeah, that seems like the dangers of having everyone in the septet be a busy leader in his or her own right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a bit of a logistical challenge there. Exactly. Well, uh, it's a, a really great record uh, and just another in a string of, I think, exciting music uh, coming out of your brain. And it's great to talk to you about it. I thank you for taking a few minutes to be here today. Oh, thanks so much. That's Mary Halverson. Stefan Crump leads a band called the Rosetta Trio, uh, bass and two guitars. I love this band. Their new album is Thwirl. Here's a sample. My guest is Stefan Crump. He and his Rosetta Trio have a new album on Sunnyside called Thwirl. The band brings together Liberty Elman and Jamie Foxx on guitars and Stefan on bass. Uh, the first two records were phenomenal, and uh, from what I've heard of this third one, I'm, I'm really digging it. And Stefan, the first thing that I noticed is that you guys, I mean, at this point, you're sounding like one human being. It's just the, the rapport between the three of you is really incredible. It, does it feel that way in the studio and on stage? It does these days. You know, we one of the special things about the new album is that we recorded it uh, well, a year ago now, right after a two-week European tour, and then we came home and did a couple of New York area dates and went right into the studio. 
And, you know, with, between that and the, some of the new music that we have been working on for, for quite a few months, and in a couple of cases, years, um, you know, we had some challenges that we really needed to work through. And we, so we kind of broke through all that. And, and I, it really feels like the band's on another level. So it's very exciting. Give me an example of one of those challenges you're referring to. One of the things that I've been interested in is, you know, it, it, it's, it's a particular issue with a drumless ensemble, you know, this sort of bouncing around of the, of, of the various responsibilities of like who's, who's keeping things buoyant and pushing forward and who's laying back and who's, you know, it's like this baton um, that's, that's constantly getting, getting passed around. And um, so one of the things I've been working on is some, just some challenging us with some different, uh, different shapes to the, to the feel. I mean, you could call them different, you, you know, you could call them different meters, but I, I, I don't like to get into, I mean, that, that is part of it, like the mathematics at the beginning, but really what I'm looking for, you know, when I'm writing pieces, it's more about different shapes and movements that I uh, mostly feel in my body when I'm, you know, when I'm putting a, a feel together, putting a groove together or a melody or something, just how like different, different lobes to the phrase. And, and, um, and so to make, to make these things feel good, um, it, it, it takes a while to, to get it just right. And then for us to be able to then express other things and, you know, go on, go on journeys that, um, expand the story within that feel, it takes some time. So is it a process of playing within these shapes long enough that they then just become uh, innate or second nature and you you don't have to actually think about them while you're playing? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, that's the idea. It's it's like any time you're dealing with, um, you know, any kind of challenge, you, you break it up into smaller parts, work on those smaller parts, and then start to piece things back together. And, um, you know, when I... Any anything anytime anyone asks me how to how you know my approach to dealing with more complex um, rhythms, I mean, really, what you're talking about is something that's less familiar to you than your favorite R and B groove, and so um, so it's it's about getting it that familiar, you know, getting it to where you feel it in your body, so that uh, the the rhythms that you the musical gestures that you're making with your hands in this case are are in reference to this this uh, pulse or this feeling that you have in your body. As I remember, the trio was born out of a desire that you had to comment, uh, musically speaking, on. September 11th and kind of the the time after that and I wonder as as the trio has evolved has some sort of uh, thematic concept or or desire for commentary on any other issues or any situations in your life continued with it or has it kind of broken free of that and just become a musical experience Yeah I would I would say I, I wouldn't say a desire to comment in in the case of Rosetta the first album it was more my own it was the, that music was born of my own process of 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 dealing with with our own personal experience of that event and and our, the loss of a friend of ours, and so that individual loss and then the the greater losses that just kept unfolding um, 
for our nation and our, our, our culture. <laughs> um, but, but it wasn't about commentary. It was very personal. It was just about my dealing with it. Um, and then, you know, the second record reclamation was a, a body there. Um, I would say the second one and the new one thwirl, uh, there isn't necessarily as uh, such a unifying theme to the whole record. It's it's um, you know each each of the tunes was inspired by or is about a um, a different a different thing. This record comes out today, and uh, I'm wondering. Uh, I've had a chance to see you guys live a few times, and I'm wondering how many opportunities, given how busy uh, all three of you are, you have to to take this uh, band on the road, and especially now with the new record out. Well, we have one coming up this weekend in New York, uh, the, the 14th, this Saturday at Cornelia Street Cafe. And we have a number of dates. We'll be in New Haven on November 1st and in Baltimore on November 3rd. Um, and then I'm, uh, some, some more dates in, in DC in February, next February. And I've been working on, um, uh, another two week tour in Europe for this coming February. And, you know, I'm just, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a challenge, but I'm, I'm working really hard pretty much every day at, um, at trying to find more opportunities for us to play and, and keep the band growing. Well, that's great. My guest is Stefan Crump. The new album by the Rosetta Trio is called Thwirl. It's on Sunnyside Records. Uh, and as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And thanks for your time, Stefan. Oh, thank you so much, Jason. That's Stefan Crump and Rosetta Trio and their new album, Thwirl. Nikki Schreira has a new record called Space and Time, a series of duets with three different pianists. Here's what it sounds like. This is a song for a simple time. Let the song go and forget the rhyme Collect all the notes and then set them free Simply meandering melody This is a song for a happy day Let the song carry your woes away Focus on beauty and simple things Share in this song and you give it wings A simple time to sing out A simple time to be heard A simple time for lessons to be learned 
My guest is Nikki Schreira. She has a new album coming out today called Space and Time, a series of duets. And uh, Nikki, I guess uh, the first thing to ask is why an album of duets? Well, I think that it's a really fun format to play in. It's all at once quite an intimate thing. It's you and one other person. But at the same time, there's so much freedom and it really exercises your ability to kind of let go and just go wherever someone else is leading you and where the music feels like it sort of organically wants to go. And that's really fun. So perhaps in hindsight, it's a bit of a self-indulgent thing, but it's also a fun medium to see how creative you can be because there are so many duos, duo albums out there and it's quite normal, especially when it's voice and piano um, for, for singers and pianists to collaborate and document those collaborations. So it's fun to see, well, how creative can you be and can you kind of veer away from everything being ballady, which um, we didn't 100%, but it was never... It was never a ballads album, so it was kind of less intentional and more just about, well, these songs happen to sort of be of that ilk. It's so exposed. Is it at all nerve-wracking to do an album like this where there's, I mean, there's just, your voice is so front and center. There's really, there's no place to, to hide, not that you need to hide, but I mean, there's no, there's no place to go. It's just your voice carrying the show, really. No, that I should have hidden. I mean, sometimes it <laughs> comes on, I get down low under a table until the track is passed. Um, that's a really, that's a really great question. When I went into it, I've, I didn't, I didn't think for a second about how exposed it would be. It had been a while since I'd been in a recording studio. And so I knew it was fun to be in that setting and to be recording something, but I'd completely forgotten about how much the microphone picks up and about how little the microphone is going to be picking up in terms of drum sounds and bass sounds. So I didn't, I didn't think about it. And now in hindsight, I will always, you know, I, I'm, I'm better off. I hope, you know, I know about it now, but I, there was so much that I learned by doing this that I didn't know before. So luckily I never thought, ooh, I don't know. And I mean, the reason, part, one of the reasons that I worked with a producer on this album was not because I thought it would be so exposed, but because I was worried it would become monotonous and samey in that it's voice and piano throughout. And were we going to veer too much into ballad territory? And was that going to put people to sleep? That sort of thing. Um, and in hindsight, thank gosh I had a producer and someone who's as experienced and wise as Matt Pearson on board because he knew it would be super exposed and he knew what that would entail with editing. And look, I don't think that's the way it has to be done. I think you can capture everything and keep it quite raw. But often if you don't get rid of some of the sounds and it's mouth sounds or pedal sounds or chair squeaks, it can, it can distract and detract from the music. So it's not a vanity thing. It's actually, it serves the music to get rid of those sounds. And once you start getting rid of some of them, you kind of have to get rid of all of them because the ones that remain stick out like sore thumbs. Will you say a word about each of the pianists, starting with Gil Goldstein? I met Gil when I was 
project coordinating another album that he was playing on and I was just sort of gal Friday and I met Gil and we would hang out in between his takes and anybody who knows him knows he's just super funny and he's a real mensch and he's got such great stories because he's worked with amazing people like Bobby McFerrin and Paul Simon and, and Michael Brecker and even Kevin Klein. I mean, did you know he taught Kevin Klein how to simulate playing the piano for that Cole Porter biopic that he made? I know, so cool. So um, so I, I knew that I got along well with Gil and I thought it would be fun to play with him. And I also, his background was so varied, but he also had experience scoring films. And so that aesthetic I knew would work for my music and I and I wanted to have the opportunity to experience playing with him so he's great I think he's super underrated as a pianist people always say oh did he play accordion on your project because that's what he plays a lot with Bobby and and I'm like no he didn't play accordion he didn't even ask to play the accordion um so it was great because he he just played piano and he's very he's so classy and the choice the musical choices he makes are very less is more and I mean, very mature. And I thought, well, I can learn from that. And then Gerald, I hadn't played with, but I knew of his work with Gretchen Palato, who I'm a big fan of. And I just, I knew from other people and from listening to his music that he's just tremendously musical. Um, his oral sensibilities and capabilities are quite amazing. The way he hears things. And the way that that then manifests in his playing, it's very, very seamless, effortless, and super, super musical. It, you know, it always serves the purpose of the song, and he's never going to be overrun by what he feels like doing as opposed to what he hears he should do. Um, and again, a very supportive accompanist and just beautiful, beautiful ideas. So playing with him was really fun because it was it was just I mean it was just sort of easy and it, it, I mean that's the great thing about music is that you can not know people socially, but then play with them and it's like suddenly that bond is just there and made and you could hang out afterwards. It's great. So that's Gerald and then Fabian, Fabian Nushka. Um. I met Fabian through a mutual friend because he was at Manhattan School of Music before I was. So was Gerald, actually. But I didn't overlap with either of them. So I met Fabian through a mutual friend and we recorded, I recorded a single called Feel Good Song. And Fabian played on that. And I've been looking for a pianist and a friend said, why don't you ask Fabian? Because he's got a really good um, feel and idea for non-jazz music, music that is maybe more poppy or more folky. And he's he's similar, you know, to Gerald and Gil. He's got quite a sort of varied background. And that's really fun um, to work with someone who's that versatile. So we recorded that song together. It was a very fun experience. I liked what he did. I was fascinated by what he did because he's got a lot of rhythmic influence. He's Cuban-born. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, partly where it comes from. And he has an interest in that music. And so it really influences the choices he makes. But at the same time, he has 
like really astoundingly great melodic content. So it's a very interesting marriage because I don't think of myself as a very rhythmic singer. You know, it's something that I have to work on and develop and really concentrate on. But for him, I think it's quite natural. Um, so working with him was very cool because he just interpreted things in a, in a very, what I think is a very fresh way. Nikki Shrira's new album is Space and Time. It's an album of duets with Gil Goldstein, Fabian Almazan, and Gerald Clayton. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you back. The album's out today. Congratulations. And thanks for being back on the show. Thank you for having me. And happy, happy, happy birthday.
That's Nikki Schreira from her new album, Space and Time. My thanks to Nikki, to Stefan Crump, to Mary Halverson, and to Vijay Iyer for being on this show. Very happy to have all four of them there. This show isn't over yet, though. No, 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 no. Don't hit that stop button. Washington, D.C. has this cool place called The Atlas. Uh, it's a performing arts center, and although I've never been inside it, I've been in front of it, which almost counts. But it's curated by this guy named Brad Lindy. He's been on the show before. He's a very talented saxophone player. And he and I spent a fair amount of time together at the Detroit Jazz Festival, which was great. Really fun hang. He's a great guy to talk to about the music business uh, and about music in general. And he curates the jazz part of the Atlas's season. It's a great season. I mean, seriously, when you hear this season, you'll think, oh, okay, well, I should probably go to Washington, D.C. and hang out for a while. Uh, so here's Brad Lindy to talk about what's coming up this season at the Atlas. My guest is Brad Lindy. Uh, he's been on the show before talking about uh, his own career as a musician, but he has an equally vibrant career as the curator of uh, the Atlas Performing Arts Center in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's a, a vibrant place and has an incredible series of jazz performances lined up for this season. Brad, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Just uh, tell folks where the Atlas is if they want to stop by. Uh, the Atlas Performing Arts Center is located uh, in the H Street Northeast Corridor of Washington, D.C. It's uh, 1333 uh, H Street, and it's been uh, that facility's been there since 1938 when it started as a music, uh, as a movie theater. Uh, but now it's a state of the art performing arts center that presents dance and music and uh, all kinds of things. The fall season opens with a performer who everyone will know and who I could not believe a particular fact about that you told me. So uh, give us the give us the details on the opening of the fall season. Uh, the 2013 season opens up with. Uh, Someone I've tried to get in from the first season. Uh, I, when I started the series, this was one of the names that completely came to mind, uh, and I was excited, and now it's finally lined up, uh, and that's Billy Hart and his quartet with Mark Turner, Ethan Iverson, and Ben Street. Uh, Billy Hart is a D.C. native, and he's performed uh, with several different projects uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, but this will be the first time uh, that he's coming to D.C. as a leader uh, with one of his uh, touring and recording projects, and he's very excited about that. And, uh, and we're excited to be able to present him. And it's so special as a season opener that we've added uh, uh, more of a party or celebration uh, where uh, photographer John Rogers from New York City will be uh, starting his exhibit uh, where he has taken photos of uh, some of the ECM artists and New York artists. And he'll be doing a slideshow and uh, interview about that. But also he will be uh, doing a, about a month and a half long exhibit uh, of his photographs uh, in the lobby of musicians uh, that he took photos of in, on a visit to Washington, D.C. during the D.C. Jazz Festival this year. So that's September 25th, is that right? September 25th is the launch. And then it continues with another ECM artist, right? Right. Uh, the series proper continues in October with uh, Tim Burns' Snake Oil, and that'll be a CD release uh, called Shadow Man on ECM. And then uh, we continue uh, with the Brian Settles' uh, and Central Union. Brian Settles is a local tenor saxophonist that's uh, made a name for himself here in New York. He's been on the jazz session and uh, one of my my favorites and closest collaborators, but he'll be there with his uh, new CD release on Engine Records and uh, with his band Central Union. And then a very special event, probably the crown jewel of this uh, season, is uh, we're going to be presenting uh, Wadada Leo Smith's 10 Freedom Summers uh, in its entirety. Uh, two nights, uh, Friday evening, October 25th, and then Saturday afternoon, October 26th, and Saturday evening, uh, October 26th, uh, 
the whole complete uh, performance with the double quartet and the uh, visual artist. And so uh, in honor of the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington, uh, we're delighted to have Wadada bring this uh, really recognized and uh, amazing piece uh, to D.C. So uh, that's uh, at the end of October. And then we'll continue with Steve Lehman's octet. Uh, he's presenting new music uh, with that group in November. And then we'll close off the season uh, in December with uh, some holiday shows, uh, one being Matt Wilson's Christmas Trio with a very special guest, uh, which I can't reveal yet. Um, the trio was part of our first season. And then uh, there's the possibility of a, of an avant-garde uh, cr- traditional Christmas carol, Birth of the Cool meets, uh, you know, uh, Ornette Coleman kind of vibe uh, that Sarah Hughes and I uh, call there arose such a clatter, and that's going to feature some very uh, special guests, um, including Allison Miller and Michael Formanek. So that's the fall season. And not to spoil the surprise, but Brad did tell me that the special guest with Matt Wilson is a hologram of Pearl Ives. That kind is of Tupac that, Shakur style, right? That is uh, correct. Um, if it were a hologram of Pearl Ives, I would cancel any plans I had to go. I'm going to tell you right now. Well. You could uh, cancel holiday plans, but uh, if you look forward to the f- 2015 season, it's going to be a whole Burl Ives festival. <laughs> oh, you're speaking my language. So that's the fall season. That's the fall season. And then uh, January 2014, we start off with Anthony Pirog, who's also on the jazz session uh, with Janelle. Uh, his trio with Michael Formanek and Chess Smith uh, will be doing their CD release uh, at the Atlas. So a brand new project and a uh, uh, first performance of that material and that band. And then we continue with uh, Ellery Eskelin's uh, Trio New York and uh, Don Byron's Gospel Quintet. We're going we're gonna to have Curtis Hasselbring's uh, Number Stations Project. Uh, very excited about that. And then uh, we'll, in March, we'll have the Washington Women in Jazz Festival that uh, will be in its fourth year. Uh, it was started by Amy K. Bormant. And uh, this year, the All-Stars... Uh, including Amy and uh, bass player Karen Chapdelaine and alto saxophonist Sarah Hughes, will be uh, joined by Mary Halverson and Allison Miller. So uh, very excited about that show. And then we'll continue uh, through the rest of the season with Linda O's Quartet, and uh, we'll have a Nina Freelon duo, and we'll wrap up the season uh, in May with uh, Darcy James Argue's Secret Society returning for their third year in a row, and he'll be doing a, a residency uh at that time with uh, the Bohemian Caverns Jazz Orchestra, which is the big band that I, I uh, founded and co-direct. And uh, he'll be conducting us uh, in some capacity through his uh, older music. Well, except for Curtis Hasselbring, every single one of those people has been on the jazz session. And my guess is that Curtis will be in the coming season. So uh, folks can check those out. Uh, give me an idea of how you go about actually programming a series. I mean, there's a pretty vast group of people to choose from. How do you figure out who you're going to bring in? Well, I... Uh, just from being a musician myself and from being uh, toggling between the D.C. and New York scene, I, I have the benefit of hearing a lot of great music that uh, may be developing. And uh, I like to find uh, artists that uh, kind of represent uh, music that's not often heard in Washington, D.C., but also music that reflects uh, sort of the nature of the Atlas Performing Arts Center, uh, combining, uh, you know, a, a deep and rich history of of jazz tradition, but also uh, bridging it to uh, the unknown and, and to the future and incorporating contemporary classical music or uh, world music or just any sounds that are, are uh, you know, striving for some kind of originality and, uh, you know, come off as a project that would be uh, interesting and uh, compelling to, for people to come enjoy. 
Are these all individually ticketed, or is there a subscription to a series as well? Uh, they're all individually ticketed, but we are offering uh, some combinations of uh, uh, that's new to us, uh, the subscription series. Uh, so there are uh, packages, uh, I believe, available to uh, to take advantage of this. But you know, as I've said since the very first performance uh, in 2011, is you know I want people to come uh, hear what they like, but I also would want them to take a chance on the series as a whole and to see the the nature and the wide. Uh, offerings that uh, jazz music, as it were, uh, can be and has to offer. So that's, uh, you know, it's it's educational, it's exciting, it's, uh, and hopefully it'll continue the conversation uh, with people after they're done with the show. Give folks the website. Uh, you can visit www.atlasarts.org uh, to find the schedule and find out all the great happenings at the Atlas Performing Arts Center. Brad Lindy, thanks a lot for coming back and for telling us about your great season. Thanks for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. And that's Brad Lindy. That's it. That's the show. Uh, the 40th birthday extravaganza. The new season starts October 1st, possibly with Lee Konitz if the audio is okay, possibly with someone else. Well, certainly with someone else if the audio isn't okay. The music for this show is by the Respect Sextet online at respectsextet.com. The logo was designed by Dave Vrabel. I'm Jason Crane. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.